live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Cheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. Oh, we have got a, a uh, really special, special show for a you doozy. today. A, a doozy. doozy. It's a, it's a, it's a butt smacker. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it's a thigh slapper. Today it's a butt smacker. Oh, oh my, my goodness. There is so much going on here. You know what? I have to be honest. Yeah. I'm I'm looking out my window right now and I'm like totally snow blind. Ooh. Ah, it just hit me. It hurt. It was like, mm. ah, damn. Ooh. And not a good kind of fifty shades of gray kind of hurt, neither. <laughs> it's a bad kind of hurt. Ow, that hurt my eyeballs. So here's what's going on. And and here's and the thing is, all you people in Texas, you know what I'm talking about now when I say snow blindness, because that's why we weren't on the air yesterday at our normal time. Mm. Because apparently Texas got uh, some snow, yeah, and shut down the whole freaking state. <laughs> mm-hmm. You people are silly. Throw some hot sauce on that stuff and move on. <laughs> well, Jeez. you know, I just get sun blind, so ah, oh. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, but you get it by looking at those beautiful white sandy beaches. Well, no, we don't have beaches in Arizona. Oh, that's true. You're in the <laughs> desert. We just got tons of sun. Where I was thinking Florida. Why was I thinking Florida? I must have I been reminiscent know. about where I'd like to be. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. So this is going to be quite the show. I'm I'm so excited. We have got the most amazing guests on. I've <clears throat> so here's here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. We've been getting. A lot. I mean, a lot of parents on Parent Nation, on my personal Facebook page, emails on the Parent Nation Facebook page, tweeting, twatting, whatever you people are doing, <laughs> sending me all of these messages about Fifty Shades of Grey and whether or not you should allow your teenagers to go to see this movie. I th- I didn't even think this was a question. I thought it was kind of a joke the first couple times people asked me, mm-hmm. but I'm finding out that they're serious. Like parents are really conflicted at the moment because they've got these four and we're talking little like 13, 14, 15-year-old kids mm-hmm. wanting to so. go I don't I I don't think so. Hell no <laughs> is the appropriate answer. Spelled out phonetically like that. I just don't <laughs> I don't understand. I, I I got totally confused by it. I didn't understand how uh, parents could even be asking me this question. And then I started looking at, um, I started talking to teenagers and finding out what's going on and what they're thinking and that sort of thing. So we got some great experts to come on the show today and talk to us about 
if this really is a question, what what should you really be thinking about? What are some serious implications of taking your kids to just see a movie, right? Because that's what parents are thinking. They're thinking it's rated R, so it can't be that bad. And what's the worst mm-hmm. thing that can happen, right? So anyway, we've got Tanya Diamond on, who is uh, she's a uh, she's a mas- she's a life strategist and she's an author, but she's also very well versed in the whole BDSM and you know teen sexuality and all of that stuff. I'm actually currently contributing to a book we're writing together about t- talking to kids about sex um, with a lot of great experts. We're also going to have Michael Rooser on the show. And uh, he's going to be talking to us about how to how to maintain intimacy um, when things aren't always functioning as they should be. You know, like, is this whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing setting our kids up to have an expectation that sex is the only way to heal a relationship? Because that's really what happens in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Is, you know, this this is a guy who's damaged, emotionally damaged from his childhood and through being allowed to sexually dominate this virgin woman, he, he's healed as if by magic, <laughs> you know, like your fairy godmother shows up with a whip and a ball gag, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't even understand. But anyway, and we also have my dear friend and brilliant, brilliant relationship expert, Charles J. Orlando is going to be joining us too. So because here's the thing, Kelly, Kelly, Yes. I don't I don't just want to talk about the the negative images that our little girls are getting from this movie. Because here's the thing, there's this male component in there too that nobody's freaking talking about. Mhm. And as a mom who as a mom of two boys and my coaching practice is focused on boys. Um because I, I you know that's just it's my strong suit. It's how people relate to me better. So I do have more boys in my practice also because I deal with special needs and boys are, you know, seven times more likely to be diagnosed than girls. So um, I do deal with a lot more boys. So I hear a lot more from the boy side of things. And what I'm finding is although girls are seeing this and we're, we're going like, oh, my God, our daughter's going to become like an S&M subservient, you know, little what it's not just about her. It's about what is this teaching our boys in how girls want to be treated to feel loved and, and sexy. Mm-hmm. Ew, gag, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I get to see I, – I, I, every time I think about it, I picture my husband like walking into the room and just like, you know, smacking my butt. And, I, <laughs> I, and I'm like, that's not – I don't get it. Like, okay, here's the thing. Let's think about it this way. One of the most popular controversial series that's starting right now is called what? About parenting. Mm-hmm. The slap. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? So, okay, so a guy slaps his friend's kid mm-hmm. and all hell breaks loose. Okay? The Pope says that spanking is okay in certain situations and all hell breaks loose. So these are the things that we're talking about, but then we want to – then we're con- that confused about whether or not we should let our kids watch a movie about S&M. Huh. I don't get it. 
Hmm. Like, why are we so conflicted? Why, why do we not understand? One of the biggest topics that we talk about today is domestic abuse and how unacceptable it is. And then we have a movie like this that's basically glorifying it. Hmm. So I, I, I don't understand why it's a question, but hopefully our experts that we have on today are going to clear it up. If you're, you know, parent nation, listen, if you're listening in, um, and this is something that you're questioning, join us on the Facebook page, call into the studio. Um, Kelly's going to give you the phone number because the, the number is 903-787-5883. Great. Thanks, Kelly. Sure. And it's, and it's on our, and it's on our Facebook pages too. If you didn't yes. catch that, go to our Facebook pages and look it up. And, and, you know, if you want to join in on the conversation, you're more than welcome to because I'm dying to know what's going through your brains, Parent Nation, seriously. If you're thinking about taking your kids to see this movie, I don't even know where you're coming from. So maybe our experts can shed some light on it. So anyway, do you know, here's the thing. Tanya's going to join us early. Right, right. Let's bring so her on. So do we, we have her on the line right now? Yeah, we do. So. Hey, Tanya, are you there? <laughs> I sure am. Hello. Hey, beautiful. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. Excited oh to my talk about this. <laughs> So, okay, you deal with, you know, you're a life strategist. I know that you coach. I know that you deal with with issues of sexuality. And I know that this has been such a hot topic on your social media. So tell us what you've been dealing with, you know, from your side. Well, first I want to say I'm a little shocked like you are that parents are actually asking, should I take, should my kids go see this? Um, I had a client the other day. I was watching their child, their 12-year-old child, sit in the waiting room and pick up, have a copy of it, the copy of the book they were reading, the kid. And I said, I'm sorry, do you know what your kid's reading? (laughs) And she's like, oh, yeah, but she won't get it finished by the time we're done here. I'm like, wow, all right, okay. Um, Yeah, so I'm kind of in your camp. I'm a little bit uh, stunned. But, yeah, so things that, you know, uh, I'm dealing with are people asking me, how, you know, it, how this is a good representation of, you know, the BDSM community or, um, you know, why is it really, why is it, I think the question really is why is it that, that so many people are titillated by it? You know, why, is, <laughs> why are so many women into it is really the question. And the, the girls are going to be in the same way, the teenage girls, because, you know, this guy's good looking, the movie, he's got money. And all women really have this belief that love can save a tortured man. And it doesn't matter what you have to go through to help him. And don't you think that that basically feeds into this whole subservient mindset behind women as nurturers and we have to save our man? Well, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's really it. We're taught relationships take, first of all, it starts with saying relationships take work. I believe that the relationship shouldn't take work. Some of the issues might. But we have to look, uh, yeah, we, but we've got to look at work, how we You don't mean getting our, beat, yeah. you know? Right. Well, I mean, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the tortured man, it's always the tortured man um that we need to save if only and and you know part of that is watching our mothers try to work with our fathers or our fathers work with our mothers or you know the the fact that we're not having really super healthy relationships to begin with Ugh, it's so crazy because i know so many women that i work with 
experience that whole um their mother was kind of like the shield. She was either the shield yeah. or she used the husband as the shield. In other words, she either protected her kids from their father or she was the woman who said, you just wait till your father gets home. Like she used mm-hmm. the father as the power in the family or she was like constantly protecting the kids from the, the, the powerful, overly powerful, dominating dad, right? Like the, the heavy-fisted right. kind of parent. And it, it fascinates me that when we finally grow out of that and are able to look back on it and see what was wrong with it, then we get to a stage in life where we welcome it and we, and we desire it and it gets us excited erotically. It makes no sense yeah, well, to me. You know, when you tie anxiety into arousal, which is what happens, can happen pretty easy since they're really close together, uh, you create all sorts of really problematic issues. But, you know, even, even, you know, so even this whole idea that um, this is about sex isn't even really so much as, you know, like men are calling me up and saying, well, hey, you know, so here it is one more time, the bad guy is front and center, right? The bad boy, And, you know, what's up with that? And the reality is, quote, unquote, people that are tortured and people who are the bad guys, uh, the bad boys, these guys actually have commitment, and we're kind of lacking. I mean, their commitment's kind of skewed, but they have commitment. And a lot for a lot of women today, we're not seeing a lot of masculine uh, masculinity. We're not seeing a lot of men step up and have commitment. So the thing this guy in the movie is bringing is, number one, he's bringing commitment to whatever it is he's doing. As messed up as it is, he has total commitment to it. Women want to be adored. And they confuse that with control and manipulation a lot of the time. Women, but mostly what we really want as women is we want presence and we want intimacy. And there's nobody as present in the moment as somebody who's either A, trained to be present, or B, completely controlling you. Those things are so close, but with totally different intent. So that's really what the appeal is. These women are looking. It's not really the spanking or that. It's the fact that this man's entire focus is driven upon this woman. And we crave right. that. We're missing that in relationships and intimacy, not the controlling and, part. <laughs> and I think that we do, we're doing that to ourselves, though, by, by instilling in our young girls the, the belief of you don't need a man. You don't need, I mean, that's the, that's the driving force behind girl power today is you don't need a man for anything. We don't need right. a man to be successful. We don't need a man to be happy. We don't need a man to feel valued. We don't need a man. That's the message that we're sending to our girls. And now they're seeing this man. They're seeing this Christian Grey who is giving her everything that she could ever possibly want, including an orgasm, a really good one, a lot. And it's it's flying in the face of the you don't need a man message. So right. now we're confusing the hell out of our girls. Well, and ourselves. And the reality frankly. is that you know, we when we when we do anything, feminism creates this huge pendulum swing way to the opposite side. You know, we're tribal; we all need each other. And but whether that's a healthy need or an unhealthy need is really the thing. <laughs> so <Right>. that's where <laughs> we're story. kind of missing missing oh the mark on all this. It's so true. And the thing that amazes me, too, is I think that when young girls are so getting into their sexuality and so getting into um, exploring themselves and the things that feel good and they're they're actually, you know, we're learn at that age, you're learning how to give yourself an orgasm, basically. 
And here is this man that's giving her something that she's never had before. Right. Don't you well, think that's of kind of creating curiosity for girls? In, you know, champagne and rooftop dinners and, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, once again, we keep asking, what would this look like if the guy was just your regular guy? Right. Oh, you know? yeah, that couldn't. What, what would ha- what would that look like then? Hey, I'm taking you to McDonald's. <laughs> you know so part of glorification, lot, <laughs> you know the pretty woman glorification thing where the guys she doesn't believe she's worthy and here's that other thing where like he doesn't come alive unless she feels like she's not worthy i mean if anything screams abuse take away everything else i mean people keep getting this confused like you have the bdsm community that's both happy and horrified that this is how it's being portrayed one, that it's being portrayed, they're happy. Two, they're horrified because, you know, this is not the way it goes, not in any realm. Is that any way considered any type of safety or anything, just so you know? And not, I have been in that, I played in that world for a while, so I can tell you it's totally off. It's not how it goes. And and if it goes that way, it's bad. <laughs> and then that whole other thing of this, this, you know, it's not, it's not, it's about this power control and manipulation and who really wants to be told that you can't call somebody or you can't see somebody. If we have that feeling, if we, any of us ever feel that that makes us some, somehow special that somebody feels that way about us, we're in trouble. And see, that's, that's the big thing for me is that we're te- that this movie is showing young girls that that kind of control is okay depending on the status level of the person who's, who's, you know, who's putting it on to us. Right. So like if, if someone's controlling us, but they're wealthy enough and they're giving us enough on the side, then it's okay for them to control that uh, control us in that way. And that's the thing that I think is really confusing to young girls. So my gosh, we, uh, we have to go to a break, but when we come back, um, we're going to be talking more about what the BDSM community really, really looks like. And we're also going to be talking to our next guest, Michael Russer, who's going to be talking about how do you maintain in- intimacy when sex isn't a factor? It's not even available. So um, he is a prostate cancer survivor. And um, so he teaches people how to maintain passion and intimacy without sex. So that's going to be an interesting spin on his opinion of this movie when we come back from this break. This freaking studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. 
Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. by Tanya Diamond and um, our guest who's just joining us, Michael Russer. And we are talking about all things Fifty Shades of Grey. And if you are one of those parents out there in Parent Nation who's considering whether or not you should take your kid to see this movie, um, do you want to listen in? Because right now the consensus is no, you don't. (laughs) But... You know, maybe maybe there's some level of conversation that needs to happen. It depends on the age and maturity of your child, what you know about what your child's engaging in. So there's a lot of things to consider before you just, as Tanya said, give your 12-year-old the book series. What was that? Oh, my gosh. I think I would have grabbed it out of the kid's hand and run like hell. I, I'm honest. I, I, don't, I can't even imagine... I I read I read Endless Love when I was 13 years old and my mom blew the roof off the house when she found that book. She was like, "What are you re- Oh, I can't even uh, you you have no idea." So, Tara, Tara, do you remember that book Forever by Judy Bloom? Oh my goodness. That was like 7th grade for me. It was going around and you'd keep it in your folder and you'd read it anytime you could. In the bathroom? Yeah, like, or even like in the- class when you could hide it. Right. We were even cooler than the kids who were smoking. Right. When we were reading that book. I'm telling you. So, oh, my gosh. So, Michael, hi. How are you? I'm doing great. I've been listening to this with great interest. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, so, so what's your what's your initial reaction to the question? If someone would come to you and say, I'm thinking of taking my 14-year-old daughter to see Fifty Shades, or as one of the my, my Parent Nation peeps came to me and said, my 15-year-old daughter just told me I'm the worst mom in the world because I won't let her see the movie. How would you have reacted to that? Uh, which one? The first one? Um, <laughs> if, 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 if someone came to me and said, I'm thinking of taking my teenage daughter to see that movie, I'd be saying, what drugs are you on right now? I mean, really? I, what, what is going through your mind? Do you think that you somehow need to be the cool mom because this is what everybody says is uh, cool right now? Uh, I mean, it's, it's sometimes I wonder where parents really learned how to become parents. And uh, I, I mean, that's about as idiotic as it comes to expose your daughter, or for that matter, your son, to that kind of um, model of how things uh, should or could be or even want to be. So, yeah, yeah uh, I, I have fairly strong opinions about that. <laughs> You know what I'm finding, quite honestly, and Michael, I'm glad to have a, a, a male point of view from this in this conversation. And we're going to have Charles J. Orlando on it a little bit, too. So we're going to have two very strong male points of view. But what I'm finding is boys are not even remotely as close to being interested in seeing this movie as girls are. Yeah, that that makes sense. It's it's like, well, first of all, they can't relate to the lead male character. I mean, how many 
boys are thinking they're going to be billionaires that uh, <laughs> they can literally control the world and are even going to be that good looking. And I mean, it just isn't real. So they, they can't relate to it. Women, on the other hand, tend to fantasize more about Prince Charming. And uh, this is kind of a weird Prince Charming. <laughs> and, uh, we were very warped sense of Prince Charming. You know, I say, yeah, come on to my horse and I'll chain you up and we'll have some fun. Um, but uh, uh, it's it, a <laughs> Yeah, but, but it is, it is sort of the, it is along the lines of the Prince Charming model, right? Someone's going to come along and sweep me off my feet, take care of me, and uh, I'll be in love forever and will be live happily ever after. And little do they know that uh, there's a huge price to pay for that. And it has nothing to do with love. As you were saying earlier, it's, it's all about power, control. And, in the, and in, from the perspective of the male character, it is a, a great deal of insecurity to be able to feel the need to exercise that kind of control. Deeply insecure person would uh, need uh, to feel that. And see, that's the thing that I don't think parents are talking about. Because here's the, here's the truth. The moms who have read the book series are if they experienced any level of erotica from reading that book, there's no way that they're going to want to take their child to see it because that to me is just, I don't know. That's, that's a level of perversion that you would want your child to experience that. So I think the people who are, who are even considering taking their kids to see this movie haven't read the book. Yeah, they either haven't read the book or they're just too, totally clueless. Or as I was saying earlier, they're trying to be the cool parent, which is so dumb. You know, parenting I, you is know, parenting. I, I consider myself a pretty cool mom. I mean, not that I, I have boundaries and rules, but I'm, I'm a pretty laid back mom. I mean, my kids can talk to me about sex anytime they want. That You know, you can come to me with any questions you have and we'll discuss it. And then there's that line. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to sit down with my kids and watch porn in my living room. Right, right, exactly. And you're not going to bring you're not going to bring a stripper over for the uh, for your son's 16th birthday. I mean, it just <laughs> it makes sense, you know, and it, it the, the thing is, is that, you know, I wrote an article about this actually when the book first came out and hit 70 million sales and why so many um, uh, middle-aged women who are already in relationship are just so enamored by this thing. And, and it, it, it became so clear to me that a big part of the reason is, is that they have no intimacy in their own relationships. So they, they look to this as a, as a way to fantasize about what could be or, or what is something that would make them feel something because they're not getting it in their own relationship. And uh, I, I think that's part of the sign of our culture. I actually consider this work, uh, this, this book and now the movie, it, it, literally a sign of a, what I call an epidemic of a lack of intimacy in our, in our culture today. So and that's, I, one I, the, that's one I of just, the big topics that you discuss because you, are, you actually talk to people about how to bring back intimacy without intercourse. Right, and and I I know how you you introduced me before I came online without sex. Well, intercourse and sex, uh, there's a lot of different ways to have sex and and physical intimacy other than intercourse. I'm not physically capable of having intercourse because of my condition, but I assure you, my physical intimacy um, is as never ever 
ever remotely been as good as it is now. And, uh, and so I define intimacy as a deep abiding connection between two people. And it can happen and should happen first on the emotional level then the physical level and even spiritual level. And based on that convention, that de- definition, um, I'm very fortunate to have an extremely, um, robust and rich, intimate life on all levels with my partner. And, you know, the thing that that speaks to for me is the whole concept of um, intimacy being cerebral before it's physical. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, they say that the most powerful sex organ anybody has is their brain, but Mm -hmm. it it really does go beyond that. Um, uh, I find that when, when you learn to become present for your partner, both in the giving and receiving, actually you're out of your head. You're out of, quote unquote, your mind and much more into your heart. And it's a totally different experience. Now, granted, sure, the the mind can add, you know, uh, certain types of um, uh, stimulation and uh, arousal for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think the deepest connection really comes from learning to become present. And as you mentioned, someone mentioned, it was your other guest. Tanya. um, Tanya, yes, Tanya mentioned that you can be present. And the movie showed this, you know, the the antagonist in this case being so present through his sense of control. Well, that's one way of being present, but it's it's not necessarily an empowering way. Uh, in fact, by definition, Definitely it's not, not empowering. <laughs> and uh, we're present, being fully present for someone, both in the giving and receiving, and and reciprocating as you give and you receive. That learning that would do wonders for people's intimate life and on all levels. So, Tanya, you were talking about. Um, how the this movie doesn't represent the actual BDSM community and philosophy uh, at all. From what I understand, and I'm not I'm not into that, but you know, hey, I'm willing to try. But listen, if if there there's a lot that goes on that isn't intercourse but it's still very physically stimulating. And is that what you were talking about when you were saying, you know, that this movie doesn't represent that at all? What were you, what what did you mean? The main thing that doesn't represent is the fact that if somebody is, is playing or being in the BDSM world where one, one person is dominant, the other person is submissive, the actual submissive actually is the one that has control because you create agreements and the submissive person has a safe world or it also has set up agreements about what they will and won't do, and the dom doesn't cross that line. So who's in power there? Wow. And now, so to me, that would be... That at all. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly, because it's like there's, there's things that she agreed to that she's not allowed to say no to, Correct. Right. Now, if you agree that, you know, if you make these agreements, you always have that word. And the thing, the thing that creates intimacy in the BDSM world is the whole idea of intimate communion, meaning you're speaking about every single little thing there is. It's all consensual. It's not that somebody takes control over you that you've not consented to. Everything, whether or not you want hot wax, you want to be 
smacked, you want to be punched, you want to be uh, spanked or handcuffed or whatever. All of these have huge conversations that go along with them and huge agreements that people talk about. And in some ways, so much more intimate than a lot of um, relationships that don't do that because of this communication aspect. That's also present. Communication is also present. And in the movie and in the book, this is just about controlling somebody. Now, it has nothing to do with consensual. Every time she's saying, oh, I don't want to do it, and he's saying, well, you don't have a choice, and, you know, who you speak to on the phone, where you go, he's stalking her. He's, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's, it's so wow. wrong, and yet people are titillated by the fact that his entire life is taken up by her. Women are missing that experience of a man being that attentive, but they've got it wrong in how it's the what he's doing. But they want. I couldn't, ag- they want what I couldn't agree more on that one. I could not agree yeah. more on that one. Um, uh, frankly, I think most men are clueless in how to be attentive in the right way. <laughs> and I had to learn. I had to learn, and through the help of my partner, how to do that. And um, it uh, it was the best thing ever. Uh, once we learned how to do that, and I learned how to be attentive and listen to her and have these authentic conversations. Absolutely, Tanya. And do right. you, and, you know, think this, that so, there was a movie about that, about communicating and about the actual BDSM community and about somebody who, um, a, about a couple who's actually communicating what they want and their needs and all of that? Do you think it would be nearly as popular? Um, it, no, because it wouldn't have that, that we, we like that sense of danger, too, that adrenaline. We're adrenaline junkies as well. So that sense of anxiety and danger coupled with this, face it, Hollywood, you know, beautiful man that's super rich, and this is like so many women's fantasies. This is Cinderella, except he's, this guy's a control freak. I mean, it's the thing playing out over and over again um, that, that, yeah, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that, and it's unfortunate because that would be way too boring for most people in the sense that they actually were communicating. <laughs> yeah. And Michael, you know, would you say that, that that's the basis for for what you teach as well? Uh, the communication, absolutely. Yes. It it starts with authentic communication, and and this is you know men tend not to talk much. Uh, that's just kind of how we're wired. Uh, but it doesn't mean that's how we're stuck. Uh, that that can be learned. Women also, however, it is incumbent incumbent upon them to share with their man exactly what they are looking for in terms of intimacy, both emotional and physical. And very, very few women uh, do this, I find, uh, because it harkens back to the caveman days where they're afraid that if they say something that, quote unquote, might offend or, or hurt the feelings of their man, he might leave them. I actually was interviewed on the radio once with a female host. I asked her, I turned it around and asked her that question. I said, what if you were uh, honest with your man about what you really wanted? And she just, she goes, oh, my God, that put me right back in the caveman days. Yeah, I mean, he might, you know, I, I, he might leave me. And, and it's, it's unfortunate um, that we feel that way. But it's, it's, and, but it's also not true. Um, men are not mind readers. They really do want to know what it is you want and how you want it. And, and, um, and, and it starts with that authentic communication uh, on both sides. Absolutely. 
You know, you I know, think also to can I can I jump in here? Go real ahead, quick? Tanya. Yeah, please. Yeah, sorry. You know what? What I want to say though is most women still harbor the fantasy that if it's the right man, he knows exactly what to do without ever being That is a terrible fantasy because it, it, right, it doesn't work. Body, <laughs> we're we're clueless. Okay, we cannot mind read I, your minds. <laughs> we we really I need to know. And I was very fortunate to find a life partner who was not shy at all about telling me exactly what um, she liked, what she didn't like, and how, uh, and the kind of uh, communication she wanted to have, the kind of uh, physical relationship she wanted to have. And as a result, um, uh, we both experienced something that we've never, ever experienced before, not in our wildest imagination. So it's, it's powerful when it happens. a guy won't take a second date with a guy because they don't like the way he kissed instead of communicating on how she likes to be kissed. This starts all the way back to then. We still harbor that erroneous idea that the right man knows exactly what to do say and and make us take us to places we've never been and if we could get over that we would have much better relationships and we wouldn't be lured into this stupidity of this thing. You know, I I agree with you guys so much. And I think that another big thing that we haven't talked about, but I do want to talk about after the break, is the fact that when it comes to teaching sexuality from the time we're young, girls are taught shame around sex and boys are taught openness and pride around sex. You know, it's like boys, boys hear the messaging all the time. Oh, a man thinks about sex every 30 seconds. And women are shamed for breastfeeding in public. So, you know, there's a lot of shame that goes around and a lot of pride that is confusing the messages that we teach to our kids. When we come back from this break, we're going to be talking. Charles J. Orlando, the author of The Problem with Women is Men, is going to be joining the conversation. pop-up window or close your iTunes player. Uh, oh, it. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. 
Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. This is such an exciting show. I love having brilliant people talking about really good topics and not like arguing and fighting and losing their minds. This is really an anomaly <laughs> in parenting. Well, well, we haven't added Charles yet. So. Oh, that's right. Uh-oh. <laughs> So we have Tanya Diamond on, and we also have Michael Russer. Am I pronouncing your name correct, Michael? Actually, it's Russer. Okay, I'm just going to go with Russer then. Yeah. <laughs> and we are also being joined by Charles J. Orlando, who is a dear friend of mine and a uh, social media guru, relationship expert, and the author of The Problem with Women is Men, and the author of uh, Why Women Really Secretly Love Fifty Shades of Grey. So, Charles, hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I am great. This is uh, this topic is right up your alley, so to speak, not in a dirty, sadomasochistic <laughs> kind of way. So filthy already, really? Is that? What we're starting <laughs> <with>? <laughs> so, Charles, you and I have had conversations about this prior to uh, this show, and uh, you you have a unique perspective on why you think. Uh, Fifty Shades is so appealing to women, but I'd really like your your thoughts on why you think that parents would be willing to take their kids to see it. Well, I don't know if they'd be willing to take their kids to see it. I think I think there's two different things coming here. Uh, the first is that that Fifty Shades is really bringing out what's lacking in a lot of relationships today, and that is that incredible unquenchable passion that so many people, men and women, want. Women have kind of gone in droves to the, to the movie end, which is, it, and these are the reasons why it has sold 100 million copies, a, a staggering number, 100 million copies worldwide uh, of, of the, a book that's not written very well. Uh, and that's, and that's story. because it taps right into their psyche where they're looking for, for that level of passion and desire to come out in their relationships. Now, we can sit here and, and analyze Christian Gray and how he is a completely broken unit uh, across all three of the books. Uh, stereotypic bad boy makes good, becomes a, a, a very nice guy in the third book, uh, spoiler alert, but... It's, it's really what it brings out in relationships. Now, to your other question, should parents be taking their, their kids to it? I think that's a, that's a separate decision completely. When you say kids, are we talking about 12 years old or are we talking about 17 years old? Well, it's kind of funny because in the first segment, Tanya was talking about one of her clients who actually brought her 12-year-old to a session and their, her 12-year-old had the book and was reading it in the waiting room. And the wow. mom was like, "Oh, it's okay. She won't finish it by the time we're done, anyway." And, but then I'm getting I'm getting questions on you know private message and everything from moms of kids that are 13, 14, up to 17 years old. And you know, my point is, if it's a rated R movie, your kids shouldn't be seeing it until they're 17, anyway, unless it's with your consent. And so that would require parents to make that decision for a 14 year old kid, which I don't get. No doubt. Well, and, and you're kind of highlighting something that's, that's going across society, and that is what, is what was normal and acceptable just 10 or 15 years ago. Everything has been raised up as far as what the bar is of, of what is stimulation, what is good. Uh, and that goes for sex to ear piercings. Just pick it out of the air um, where what was, what was once 
rebellion is now seen as soft and not a big deal. So everything's been raised up into places where people aren't necessarily recognizing it anymore. Sex isn't good unless it's Fifty Shades of Grey style. Uh, and that's not to say that BDSM doesn't have its place. I've talked to a lot of different people who roll that way, and good for them. It's a, it's a subculture that's existed for for hundreds of years. Um, but now that it's turned mainstream, it's very different. Uh, and now when we start talking about kids starting out their exposure to sex that way at 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, in my opinion, they don't have enough perspective uh, to add that into a repertoire of sexual activity because they don't have a repertoire of sexual activity to start with. So there's no <laughs> right. way that they can balance it into anything and not feel, oh, this is just the way it is. Um, no, it's not the way it is. It's a choice of how things can be, but that doesn't mean that that's the way it's supposed to be for everyone across the board. And I think that's where things get screwed up for kids. I, I couldn't agree more. I, we were talking earlier um, before the break about how boys don't boys are, are in general not as interested in seeing this movie as girls are, but yet um, girls are normally shamed. Uh, you know, we we experience shame around sex as when we're young. I don't know, you know, Tanya, I don't know what your sexual experiences were, Kelly. Um, but when it came to that, you know, sex was something that happened behind a closed door and nobody talked about it. You know, I wasn't even, you know, you didn't even use tampons because that was too sexually explicit for an 11 year old. Right. But boys at the same ages are being exposed to it in a very pat on the back, male chauvinistic kind of, you know, I'm going to take you to a, to a, to a hooker when you're 18, if you haven't had sex yet, kind of attitude. And I think that that's very confusing too, because this is putting, this movie is making that virginal girl like a superhero because she's using something that's so, taboo to save this broken man well yeah and and you're you're kind of you're putting a spotlight on what's broken as far as the bdsm side of this thing there's no experienced dom on the planet who would take a completely green and inexperienced submissive she's not even a submissive she's just a normal girl who's a little shy you know so that right away the the entire thing is flawed uh, from a story perspective, but I agree with what you're saying. And, uh, but I would add in that boys and girls of all ages, whether we're talking about seven to 17, because of the, the availability of sexually explicit material and pornography online and offline today, they are being exposed to things at a way earlier age um, than we are even aware of. Uh, just to be crystal yep. clear, like we can sit here and say, oh, I don't let my kids watch that. They would never do that. Yep, your kid too. <laughs> They're seeing it also. Uh, and, and that's because it, it's the way it is. You know, it's, right. it's the, the prevalence of the material today. So to your point around how things were very different years ago, I think that we're, it, these, this type of material has become unfortunately sex education before they even hit middle school where they actually age nine the class. yeah right and age nine was, yeah. is the average to see porn yeah for the first time did you know yeah, that I, I, think I, I, I think i was like four no i'm just <laughs> but yeah 
<laughs> no, but it's, cra- it's crazy how, how early it is. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you back up 15, 20 years ago, and there were boys were, you know, jerking off to the lingerie section of the Sears catalog. Now they just type in sixrandomconsonants.com, and they're sitting in front of it. So... <laughs> It's so true. We tried to take, I wanted to, when my father-in-law got his first computer, we wanted to show him White House, you know, look, you could go to the White House. So we typed in whitehouse.com. No, no, don't do that. Yeah, that's that's .gov, not .com. (laughs) But I am making notes to write that, to visit that later. Thank you, Tara. That's a great (laughs) suggestion. So here's the question. Is there ever a case where we could use this movie and this book series as a conversation starter for kids. We're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) I I think it's a, I think it's a good, um, it, 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 obviously it's out there in the culture right now. It's out there in in the, in the awareness, the public awareness. So it's, it, it, it's probably going to be necessary to have that conversation. And uh, hopefully the parent is present enough to know how to guide that conversation so that the child gets an understanding of what, what, uh, what a little bit about what this is about, maybe not in great detail, but why it is, uh, also flawed, not, not an appropriate view of how relationships, uh, can and should be. I agree with that. Definitely agree with that. And I want to, I do want to state something here that, you know, um, I think that regard, you know, the idea that women, you don't have to go full blown into BDSM for women to want or men to want to play with role playing and things like that. And a lot of people do that and it's titillating for them too because it's something different and, and racy and whatever. Um, so, you know, there's many shades <laughs> of different <laughs> <stuff> as well. <laughs> Just so y'all know. <laughs> So what if, what would you what would you say to that twelve year old sitting in your in your waiting room, Tanya? Well, what I did say was, hey, I'm doing an interview on that book, and I haven't read that. The you know, I said I haven't read that book, so I need it from you. Thanks, and took it um, because the parent was fine with it, and I just <laughs> couldn't sit by and watch that happen. But um, you know, really, what what I and what I say to my daughter? My daughter's eleven, and she's asking questions about all sorts of things, including that all her friends are watching The Walking Dead, which I don't agree with her watching either, is that um, there are many ways that people are expressing sexuality today, and most of it and a lot of it that's on the Internet or just easily found is, uh, is a little bit more violent than what really is appropriate or feels good or anything like that. And that, um, you know, we've talked about pornography because she's 11, she's made it so far, but I know somebody's going to show her it. On their device someday, it's going to happen. And her questions to me about it were, you know, do they represent real sex? And I said, they represent real sex to some people, but what you're seeing there is just fantasy or actors acting out things. And uh, if you ever want to see something real, then let me know. No, that doesn't mean I'm having sex for her. It just means that I'll find her something that is a representation of what I would really think would be a starting point. As, As one of your guests said, you know, who knows where we can go? We can go to all sorts of places. We can try all sorts of things. But it starts with uh, being empowered in the basics before you start 
going off into other places. Because if you can't say no in the basics and you can't be empowered in the basics and you can't have a good communication about condoms and your body and you don't know your body, then really going off and doing other things, I don't know that you should be doing it. I agree. So, Charles, what do you I, think? I absolutely agree. I think I think a lot of parents also end up in a place of denial where they either don't talk about it or pretend that it's not happening. And as a result, kids end up kind of doing and or thinking what they want. Uh, so they make it up as they go because they don't have enough information necessarily. So if you're a parent out there and you're afraid to talk about this, well, in my not probably not so humble suggestion is to embrace your fear, like talk to your kids. Otherwise they're going to form their own conclusions uh, around what they're being exposed to. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, this is a, if, if you're talking to your kids about 50 shades, it, it's broken in a lot of ways, um, including the fact that Anna, the, the female protagonist didn't actually want to be there most of the time at the very beginning of this, of this journey for her. She was uncomfortable. She was not a hundred percent sure of why she was doing it. Um, and in some ways she was just proving to him that he, she could. Uh, there's a, a variety of different control dynamics that, ex- that sit in their relationship, whether he's telling her how much to exercise or what to eat or what to wear. Um, and all of these things, if you're familiar with any form of, of the BDSM community, are shades of and, and pieces of uh, a subdom relationship. But unless you have that background, you know, those are all unhealthy things. And they're not for everybody because every, every – submissive and dominant relationship uh, has different sets of dynamics and controls around it. So those are the things that I'd be talking about because the, the, especially in the first book, the way they get along is, is really screwed up uh, (laughs) aside from all of the, aside from all the passion that exists between them in certain spots, like he's controlling and she's unsure and, and lets him do it anyway. And that is not the message I'd be wanting to send to young girls. You want to be submissive? Awesome. Do that. And do that with somebody you trust. But be sure with what you're doing. Don't just hand over your control to, some, to somebody and you're not even sure what you're really getting into. You know, Tara, I think one of the challenges of parents uh, to having this conversation with their kids is that they're not having the conversation with their own spouse. And so the kids pick up the fact that, um, you know, well, this is what intimacy is. I don't want it uh, because they Mm -hmm. see their parents. Uh, And this is so common. And unfortunately, it was uh, very, um, very much in place in my first marriage. Um, We we literally taught them how not to be intimate with somebody. And and I'm, I'm afraid that far too many marriages end up that way. And as a result, that kind of conversation, the parents are simply not prepared to have that conversation because they're not able to have it between themselves. That is so true. You know, that's that's the one thing that sticks out for me the most about what you guys said, all of you collectively, is if you're not willing to have the conversation to talk to your kids about what's acceptable and what's right and what's healthy and what's normal. If you're not willing to have that sex, sex conversation with your kids at their age, then you are absolutely not ready for your kids to see this movie because they cannot see this movie without having a conversation with you about what they're seeing. 
Otherwise, they're just going to be creating images and beliefs and understandings in their mind that are completely unrealistic. And if you wouldn't want your daughter to be that character in that movie, then you have to tell her what's wrong with it, why it's wrong, what's right and what's healthy and what's acceptable and at what age. And don't be afraid to say to your kids, I'm not willing to accept you having sex at your age. It's not healthy. It's not okay. And, you know, and as your parent, I'm telling you that. So many parents are like, oh, they're going to have sex anyway. You know what? Give it a shot. Put your foot down and maybe try, <laughs> try to parent them through that phase in their life. Because believe it or not, our kids really do want to please us and they do want to be able to trust us and they do want to have conversations with us. So my gosh, you guys, this was such a great show. Thank you so much, Charles and Tanya and Michael for joining us and Parent Nation. Join us on the Facebook page. If you want to talk about it, let's have that conversation. Until next week, everybody. You've been listening to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein. Want more real talk for real parents? Seriously, Parent Nation, not every decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling it the most amazing opportunity on the planet? 